Hey, welcome to Textual Healing. I'm your host, Mallory Smart. Joining me on today's episode is Mason Parker, author of the new Trident Press collection, Until the Red Swallows It All. To dive deeper, Mason is an Okie-born, Montana-based writer. He holds an MS in Environmental Studies from the University of Montana. His work has been featured in X-Ray, Hobart, the International Journal of Wilderness, and Bull Men's Fiction. In his free time, he enjoys exploring the Selway Bitterroot Wilderness with his partner and two dogs. We get into all that and more in this episode, like bears and lit fests and being publishing buddies and whatever the hell else. I hope you dig this very lit episode, and if you do, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and or review, or just hit me up on Twitter. I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, are you hearing me okay? Oh yeah, I hear you just fine. Sweet. I had, uh, you know, I have this pretty okay uh, microphone because, like, you know, any dude in his early 30s had dreams of starting a podcast once. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Sorry. I was just doing a tweet. You good? No, yeah, I'm totally good. Uh, Let me know if I'm being too loud. Uh, Oh, that's totally fine. I record on a multi-track, so at any point I could uh, lower it when I'm editing. Just turn me down. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's a useful tool. Yeah, that's why I prefer this to, like, the other programs people use because they can't actually separate the tracks, so you just kind of get stuck with, like, one recording and, like, you get a weird noise on someone's end and you're just stuck with it. Right. What are the other options for something like this? Uh, Oh, my God. I can't even, like, come up with all of them. But I know a lot of people use Zoom, and that one is just god-awful because it compresses the sound. Oh, and some yeah. people use, like, GarageBand and shit. I'm just like, yeah. no. I mean, it's a little bit of a fucking nightmare just trying to, like, do, like, a two-person meeting, like, just streaming it, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine, like, having to, like, record off of Zoom. Jeez. I like that, like, I'm almost, like, an advocate. I should get, like, royalties for how many people I get onto clean feed. Because yeah. every time I'm on, like, a <laughs> podcast or, like, someone is on this podcast, they're like, what are you using? And I'm like, clean feed. It's so amazing. And they switch to it for their podcasts. Right. <laughs> because, as you said, everybody has a podcast. <laughs> they're floating around. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, it's nice having all the variety out there, though, I feel like. so. Oh, yeah, and I, I would like to say I have probably one of the dorkier ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, what, what do you mean? Music and, like, indie lit? That How is that dorky? Well, I, I'm known for going off on some pretty weird-ass tangents. But, you know, I keep forgetting the name of one. I don't think it's up anymore, but I know one guy did it where, like, you would pick apart a short story and you would be, like, drinking while doing it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That one was That good. sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just, like, taking shots and just doing my best to, like, go through the story and be like, I think the author meant this. Yeah, I mean, do people podcast sober? Uh, not on that one. Or if they are, <laughs> they're totally lying. At which point, dude, there's no way to prove it, but I think you can tell. You can tell when right, someone's right. faking drunk. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
Whereas with me, like, you could totally tell because I am a lightweight. Oh, it's the same with me. It's, my friends are always like, it's not how much you drink. It's how you act when you drink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's fun because everyone says, like, I'm really, like, a nice and humorous drunk, but yeah. I just get drunk very quickly. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah. it just turns into a good time really fast with me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy. I mean, I know there's, like, angry drunks and sad drunks, and I'm definitely a happy drunk, so I'm, I'm you know, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> I think we should get together and have drinks, and by drinks, I mean, like, maybe one, two. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I'm at these days. It really like two, is. I, I'm just like, I never thought that I would be like a, a red wine in the evening person, but here I am. I know when I was on uh, one of the drinking podcasts, my apartment, it's one of those like luxury apartments. It's not like I'm bougie or anything. It's mm-hmm. just what was available. Yeah. And the company that owns our building, they actually like to give freebies occasionally. And there'd be, like, a table in the elevator. I fucking love this. And they always <laughs> would have, like, I don't know, like, mini treats. And then my favorite mini treat was they would give uh, mini bottles of barefoot wine. Wow. So it was, like, airplane shooters, but barefoot wine? Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> the most white woman Instagram thing ever. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Do you live with, like, multiple people, or do you just got this nice place by yourself? Um, I live here with my fiance, and cool. he's actually gone five days out of the week, so mainly it's just me and my cat. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. Uh-huh. It is the most yeah. cliche white girl writer thing. <laughs> just drinking coffee and hanging with the cat right now. I feel like, I feel like animals have inspired a lot of good writing. So, Especially, I'd like to say like cats are like, I don't know. They imprint on the writers much more. What do the, what do they call them in like which movies? Oh, familiars. They're your familiar. Yeah, familiars. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean there was all that. Uh, I read an essay once about uh, Annie Dillard. Have you have you read Annie Dillard's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek? Yeah. <laughs> you know that that scene that she opens up with the cat you know that comes in and it, it, it goes out and gets in fights and then uh comes in and, and gets bloody footprints all over her bed and all over her and uh somebody found out that she actually never had a cat and, and what a uh, fraud. They, they were heartbroken they were heartbroken that, that she had just heard that story and included it you know as the opening <laughs> i'm I'm going to take a picture of my cat right now. She, she's guarding me while I do the podcast. <laughs> to and prove I, she exists? Yeah, there she is. I'm posting it on you're Twitter. Not, you're not going to Annie Dillard us? No. No, it's actually really funny because if anyone actually comes to my apartment, it's actually more like that. They're like, I do not believe that there's a cat because she, <laughs> she can ghost so good. Yeah, that's nice. We've got a couple dogs that don't ghost at all. Mine, she'll, like, blend in, like, the closet. She loves actually going into my dresser. We actually had to get child locks. So many people didn't understand why, and I was just like, my cat can open doors. (laughs) How how does she do that? Well, I don't know. She's just very, like, 
good with their paws. And my most yeah. freaked out thing is we have, you know, the doors with just like the kind of pull down handles, not like the twist ones. Right, right. And she could jump up and pull it down with enough right. force that she could like be like, fuck you and your shut door. Let me in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's like no, I mean, do you ever want to like lock her out? I mean, you know, do you have, do you put a chair behind the door? Like, no, I, I don't do that. But like sometimes <laughs> there is like a few doors, like the bathroom door has like right. the lock on the other side, luckily. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. it's creepy as shit because I see her paw go under the door. <laughs> where like, I don't oh, know. Yeah. In her logic, she's like, maybe if I reach under, I can yeah, get the yeah. door open. Cats 100% do that horror movie thing, except for, like, it's their paw instead of, like, a knife or, or an ice pick or something. I don't know. <laughs> or if you get up in the middle of the night. And, like, you know, when I was younger and I didn't have any pets and you, like, kind of think you see something in the shadows. Right. And yeah. it's like, ah, oh, I'm totally freaked out. But now I'm just like, no, no, it must be the cat. Please, not a serial killer. It's the cat. Right, right. I just had a crazy fucking experience. Uh, I was, I was speaking of animals coming out of like the woods. I was like, I was on a run, uh, just like on this trail outside of town. I'm trying to become like a running guy, uh, and uh, this fucking bear hops, <laughs> just like hops out <laughs> from the bushes, and. Like, I see it, and it's maybe, like, 100 feet in front of me. And uh, I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, I've, I've had encounters with black bears before, and they're usually, like, super chill. Uh, they'll, like, see you and be like, ah, I'm good, and run away. Mm-hmm. But this one, like, it went off, and I was like, okay, I think I'm good. And then it came back out, and it was just walking straight for me. And it was, like, the first time I ever had to, like, put my hands in the air and be like, ah, you know, they say, like, make yourself big with a black bear. Really? Um, I also yeah. thought you were supposed to, like, kind of, like, kind of bend down and walk away, like, back away. See, I, <laughs> maybe that's what I was supposed to do. I don't know. I have but no experiences, I've, so. <laughs> I'm from a big I've city. Heard, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, uh. If it's a grizzly, you just kind of don't move and you get down in like a fetal position and like submit. Uh, and if it's a black bear, you make yourself big and you roar and you like try and get it away because they max out at like 500 pounds, which is like big. But, you know, compared to like a, a, an even bigger bear, uh, you know, I think they're relatively uh, docile. I so. think you should write like a short story of you on a run and then like having to like <laughs> growl and like scare a bear away. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever had to do that. Like I, I, I never thought that I would have to be like, you know, do the defensive protocol for a bear. But yeah, here we are. Because the visual so. of it, it's so I, that's in my head now. Wow. <laughs> it's never going to leave. And it was funny because uh, I had my keys in my pocket and uh, I was I, I took them out on the run because they were getting kind of uncomfortable. And so, like, I was like waving my hands in the air and you just hear my keys shaking. <laughs> it's just like like I'm rattling my keys at a bear. <laughs> you so. need to turn into one of those runners who has like a, almost like a dash cam attached to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the GoPro guys. Yeah, yeah. you got to be one of those people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not really, like, an extreme sports guy. Like, I like getting outside, but I just like being outside. 
I don't have to like, I don't know. There's all these people that are like, I can't just like go for a float. I've got a fucking whitewater kayak, you know, I've got to like get underwater and I'm like, ah. and then I can't just like go skiing. I've got to like hike 15 miles into the back country and then go down terrain that no one's ever seen before. And I'm like, that just sounds like how you die. Yeah. See, I, I'm with you there. I mean, I just went kayaking <laughs> the other day, regular water, yeah. you know, nothing crazy. Right. Right. I mean, my experience with it, I, I think I saw two guys hooking up on the side. But yeah, other than that, that, normal normal yeah. experience. I'm cool. not out there for the crazy adventure. I mean, I'd like a crazy adventure, but, I mean, I've been on, like, actual rapids, and that scared the shit out of me, so. <laughs> Did it? What were you in? Were you in, like, a kayak or yeah. a, a raft? <laughs> kayak. And my he was my boyfriend at the time. Now he's my fiancé. And yeah. he just assured me, he's like, these are like class two. Like, it's not big. It's not a big deal. And <laughs> uh, out I'm of class like, five, like one through five? Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think five yeah. are supposed to be the worst, or maybe it's vice versa. I don't know. Uh-huh. But either way, he was just like, these are not big rapids. We were in like Kentucky, and I was like, go fuck yourself. These are like rapids. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Oh, yeah, I hear, like, Kentucky has pretty good, like, like rafting and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, and then he tried to talk me into, like, cliff diving, and I was like, you can do that yourself. <laughs> like, I'll just stand Is your fiancé, like, an extreme sports, like, connoisseur? Not, like, extreme uh, sports, but, like, he really has an obsession with, like, Jeremiah Johnson. Like, he, he <laughs> right, wants right, to be right. a mountain man. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I moved to Montana, uh, so so I like I get that fantasy for sure. It's very funny because he's also obsessed with like technology as well, and I'm just like those two are not mixing well. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people that try and balance their like technology exposure and then like uh, you know and try and get outside, but. You know, I mean, at this point, like, I feel like Instagram is so much a part of the uh, outdoor experience <laughs> that, like, it's going to be hard to disentangle technology from from the outdoors, like, moving forward. <laughs> like, it really is. Like, it's all it's all such an industry now. So, see, you know. my experience. I think I put it on Twitter. I don't know. With my kayaking, my therapist made me do it, <laughs> and. <laughs> That's why I had to take pictures, though. She was just like, I don't think you're actually going to do it, so I'm going to need some (laughs) photographic evidence. Wait, so what was it that you presented to her that made made her think that you would lie about going outside you know i was just like you know i feel really depressed right now i'm really into this like watching have you ever seen uh under the banner of heaven it's on hulu yeah i've watched i watched the first few episodes but i haven't i haven't finished it yeah so i was like i'm really determined to like finish that today and i don't know i guess that was red flag behavior so she was just like, you know, I, I really need you to get outside today and, you know, stop thinking about Mormons and uh-huh. <laughs> do stuff with your life. <laughs> right, right. And then yeah. she's like, 45 minutes after you send me the first picture, I expect a second picture. <laughs> so so it's like, it has to be like sustained outdoor exposure. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best kind of mental health person it's funny like she had a session going on afterwards i just like was like i'm totally interrupting this why are you allowing me to do this Uh uh-huh 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's always, I mean, it's such a cliche now to be like, oh, you feel bad? Go exercise. Get outside. But, like, <laughs> it always works for me. So, I don't know. You know, yeah. it really does. I hate yeah. it, though, that, like, she totally destroyed this one thing I love. I'm a big sunglasses wearer. And she was saying that you don't actually soak up all the vitamin D unless, like, it kind of enters your eyes, First. And she's like, so you have to take your sunglasses off and really experience it. I was like, go fuck yourself. I have like, very real? sensitive eyes. Yeah, maybe. That's what she said, obviously. <laughs> right. That's so funny. I mean, I don't know. Like, I always want to be a sunglasses guy, um, but I've always had glasses and it's always been like a thing. I've never been like much of like a contacts person because I always just like sleep in them. <laughs> I literally had this situation whenever I was... Uh, a kid where like, I left my contacts in. I mean, a kid. I was a teenager, but uh, I left my contacts in for like I don't, probably eight months, and they were like not like they were not you know the the permanent leave-in contacts, and they were like, "Yo, your veins have grown over <laughs> your contacts, <laughs> and if you pull these out, like it could damage you. We're gonna have to like help you take these out." <laughs> Mm, dear God. See, yeah. I only wear reading glasses, so I don't know. I am seriously the I wear sunglasses at night person. I, I don't know. It's just part of my aesthetic. Yeah. I know I'm not the only one in my friend group who does that, so I don't know if I got right. it from that or my family, but whatever. Yeah, the the Joy Williams vibe. Oh, definitely. Or, you know, yeah. Blues Brothers. I really hate that right. movie, but it's, it's the Chicago yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. the other night, I met up with friends, and, like, we were all wearing sunglasses, and it was, like, 9 o'clock at night. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's just what we do. Wait, is it, so it's, like, a Chicago thing, sunglasses at night? Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I was in Portland, a lot of people did that, too, so. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. just a thing with some weird personalities. Right, right. Well, I mean, like, right, it's like a, um, I mean, they say it's like a, like a defensive thing, right? So, like, to keep a layer between those around you and yourself. Isn't that it? I've never heard that, but I like that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things are are, kind of like that. I don't know. Like, um, I don't know. Like, sometimes I think, like, I mean, I understand, like, the logistics of, of a hat, but people wear hats all the time when they don't matter. You know, like there's mm-hmm. no reason to it. I guess you could like, you know, cover up a bad hair day or something. But I do feel like like there's things you just like wear on your face that like <laughs> you wear as like a defensive thing. Like I feel like I wear a bandana a lot uh, around my neck as a defensive thing. See, now that like I think about it, me and all my friends have like depressive personalities. <laughs> right. So it's like maybe that's why. Who knows? Yeah. But okay, um, would you like to introduce yourself? Cool, yeah. Uh, my name is Mason Parker. Uh, I'm a writer, uh, originally from Oklahoma. I live in Missoula, Montana now. Um, I uh, have a book coming out. Actually, tomorrow's the release date. Um, I don't know when this will come out, but uh, until the red swallows it all, uh, coming out from Trident Press. Yeah, that's a little bit about me. What up? Try to impress buddies. Right? Press yeah. mates. Yep. Ooh, I like that term better. Yeah, press mates. 
Will you be <laughs> at that reading in Kansas next weekend? No, I'm not going to. Uh, I would love to make it. It's actually funny because I'll be like in that neck of the woods. Uh, I'm flying down to Oklahoma on Wednesday uh, mm-hmm. and doing readings uh, on Thursday and Friday night. Uh, but I did see that, and uh, but I'm not going to be able to make it. What's going on with that? Um, I was like asked like a week ago, which I feel is very last minute that um, they were doing it. It's Adam messaged me, and then yeah. Nate messaged me, and I was just mm-hmm. like, guys, that is like so last minute. I have plans yeah. next weekend already, mm-hmm. so I won't be there. But it looks pretty cool. I like how they tried to like kind of argue it though with me. They're going to be like, Dimitri's going to go who uh-huh. is in Chicago and we're friends and he does another podcast with me. And I was just right. like, no, I'm good. I, I don't want to be like hostage in his car for however many hours. <laughs> oh, they're like, you can catch a ride with him. Oh yeah. And I'm just like, right. he's a straight through kind of guy. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm just going to, how long can you thing. go in a car? You know, back in the day, this is when you yeah. start showing that you're old. Uh huh. I mean, I, I've gone, like, 36 straight hours before. Right. But, like, these days, maybe eight, and then I need, like, a pretty good break. Like, yeah, I mean, 36 I is, that's, that's pretty gnarly. I mean, you know, that's when you're, like, in your early 20s, and, like, uh-huh. you defy all <laughs> notions yeah. of what it's like to be a human being. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always been probably, I mean, even to this day, I mean, I can do about 13 hours, and then I'm, I'm good. Um, but I, it does feel like now that I'm in this area, like Montana's huge. It's wild. I would like, I would drive back down to Oklahoma and you know, it's about a 21 hour drive. And then I would hit the Montana border and I'd be like, all right, we still have eight hours to go before we get to Missoula. So (laughs) it's just such a huge state. I just, yeah. Yeah. So I love driving through Montana. I've been through there a few times. Um, why did you move there? Um, well, I mean, I kind of just wanted to, to move, uh, but I ended up going to school up here, uh, doing like environmental studies at the university of Montana. Uh, and that was, it was a good reason to get out. You know, it was just, uh, you know, you have those moments where you're like, yeah, it's time for me to go. Um, and I'd been in Oklahoma, I guess for, for jeez, oh, I think it was about a year and a half, two years. Uh, I had lived over over in Prague for a couple of years, and then uh, and then yeah, I was just like, yeah, I'm, my feet are getting itchy. I got to get out of here. So uh, yeah, moved up to uh, New Montana. I you noticed that the life. I like that <laughs> a little bit. You know, I mean, it's funny because like you know, I mean, you have, I mean, just based on on reading your book right you have like a similar relationship to chicago right where you come back you're like all right i kind of got to get out of here but oh definitely (laughs) yeah what is your book about i mean i know what it is but tell everybody else (laughs) yeah i mean i think that uh for me uh you know i had this question of like you know, I care a lot for the environment, uh, and I spend my a lot of my time outdoors at this point. And uh, and so, I was just this question of just like you know everything's sort of like 
decaying and passing, and I don't really know how to wrap my mind around it. And uh, so I guess that it was my attempt to sort of, like, look at, like, these larger... um, these larger issues of, you know, ecocide, environmental stuff, through just, like, the people that I grew up around and the people that I know best and the place that I know best. Uh, and so it's it's sort of this series of vignettes uh, with all of these wild and awesome people that I grew up around um, and the way that they sort of, like, manifest, you know, the things that, that happen in Oklahoma as, as a... a a place, um, yeah, like, and it spans spans a long time. So, I like that it's been described as a hillbilly Walden. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That might I like be that my description best too. description ever. Would you like to explain <laughs> how the hell they did that? Uh, <laughs> like, did think, you get to write that summary, or was that there? They, I think they picked and pulled it from, uh, you know, whenever I had originally talked to them, I, uh, you know, they're like, so what's the book about? And I put some <laughs> things and I, you know, I think there was hillbilly as well as like, it's a, a collection of essays primarily, you know, sort of like Walden. And so, you know, you put those two things together and you've got a hillbilly Walden. Uh, yeah. I mean like, you know, the way that, that Walden, uh, is you know it focuses on transcendentalism and sort of like exploration of you know the environment and our relation to the environment as well as the environmental imagination except for you know it doesn't take place on a beautiful pond it takes place in trailer parks and uh you know uh artificial lakes (laughs) and uh you know the back alleys of oklahoma city (laughs) <laughs> so, I feel like Hillbilly Walden would be a great book name <laughs> or album name. I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hillbilly Walden. That I, yeah, I mean that would that would turn some heads. Or maybe a band name. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like for a book name, it would be too much acknowledging like what you're leaning into. But mm-hmm. for a band, that would be pretty sweet. If I steal that. We're just going to say that this never happened. This conversation did happen. Right, right. right. No record of it. (laughs) Like, no, this podcast isn't even going to air. No. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so why do you like it so much? What is that, the juxtaposition of Hillbilly and Walden? What appeals to you about that? I mean, really, it's your book that appeals to me so much and like just the vibe of it all so i think it is actually one of the best ways to describe your book wow thank you yeah yeah so i don't know it was so like succinctly i know when they tried to describe my book it seemed like they were a little like mm, reaching everywhere in the darkness so what do you mean um I don't know. Let's look up the description of my book, shall we? Yeah, for sure. Uh, This is the best part about just doing podcasts. Just get one for it. (laughs) Just the one that girl in Chicago. I just realized that I actually could have stayed on the same site as your book. (laughs) 
yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, what the fuck, Mallory? Use some <laughs> logic. But, yeah, no, I mean, it was just one of those, yeah, they, they got the Zoe Clark is back in Chicago and she already wants to run. True. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I find, like, the fact that they really kind of pulled, like, the uh, Jurassic Park bit a little heavy into the summary. Um Right, right, right. Yeah. It is one of my favorite chapters that I wrote, but it's not a long chapter. <laughs> I like that one a lot too, yeah, for sure. Um coffee, yeah. That 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 yeah. might have actually I was looking at it and I actually say coffee sixty five times between the <laughs> Yeah. Someone actually asked me to look it up, and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's actually throughout the entire book. Coffee, coffee, coffee. So they got that. <laughs> Emptiness keeping her up at night. That might actually only be one thing I mentioned in the first chapter, but I can't be right. Right. But, no, yeah, I, I like the stunning coming-of-age novel. That That's actually kind of funny because uh-huh. I, I still don't think I've come of age even though I'm 31. Yeah, I feel like things have been delayed, uh, like, for all of us, you know? <laughs> like, I feel like, uh, you know, I mean, me, I mean, I'm 34 publishing my first book, and I always feel like everything has been just a little bit behind, and I'm honestly okay with that. Yeah, I'm pretty damn okay with it, too, but, like, you do get, like, the weird reviews where people are like, this is a little, like, behind its time why are you still talking about like being a millennial or shit like that so i don't know you wow. get like mixed reviews <laughs> yeah really? i did have one person who is just like this isn't of the right time anymore this is very 2011 and so i'm like i would have been 21 like no i would not have had the proper judgment then no yeah like, i was like grasping at straws at that age not having any idea what to do Totally. Like, and I, I like sometimes I get a little bit like jealous. I'm like, oh man, somebody published this sweet book at like 21 or 23 or whatever. And I'm like, no, you don't want that, man. Like, <laughs> that would have been bad for you. Like, I was not in a place to like write something like coherent and good and relatable at that age. So it's funny because I have actually written a lot of stuff at that age, but you know, there's kind of like the kill your darlings kind of thing. Yep. Where you look back and you're like, wow, I've really grown up. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And you realize, like, the things that you took very seriously back then. It's just like, wow, that was really silly. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, I just had, like, a sort of, like, I don't know, disregard. I don't know. It almost, like, felt intentional, like, this sort of, like, disregard for, like, social norms which is like cool and fine but it was like a little over the top and i'm glad that i am where i am now <laughs> i value you i feel like you and i would have a very good hangout wow we make this happen yeah. <laughs> yeah totally i'm sure we can yeah oh we just need to like really get nate to have a really good trident book thing totally you know nate's coming up here for montana book festival and, oh uh, my god, I love that. Yeah, yeah. September, the weekend is September seventeenth. Uh, it's wild. They, I think that Montana Book Festival, like it was like 
me and uh, Nate and then Shy Watson like all put in our applications and they were like, oh yeah, y'all know each other. We'll just put you on a panel together. <laughs> so we're on a panel. Uh, so that should be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I sadly am spoken for for that day too. <laughs> oh, bummer. Yeah, I'll be hanging out with Brian Allen Ellis because he's coming up to Chicago. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I will not be available until November. Then people could start being like, Mallory, let's do shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm leaving the country for a good month and being like, go fuck yourself, America. Where are you going? Um. All right, so it's a bit of like a trek here. Okay. Egypt. Nice. Um, I, I just say that broadly because going to a few places there. Might check out Cape Town. Who knows? It's a mystery. I'm getting married um, in Egypt, but I found out that my future sister-in-law might be getting married in <laughs> South Africa around the same time. Okay. What does and that mean? Like, well, we're thinking that we might try and catch each other's weddings. Cool. <laughs> okay. I like it. I know. It's like, let's go to one end and to Africa, and let's go to the entire other end. Yeah. It's not an issue. Yeah. Um, then we'll basically be doing like a tour of Turkey. I was in Istanbul last year at like this exact time. Um, but this time I have to actually meet my fiance. He has most of his relatives there. So I have to check out um, Bursa and Izmir this time as well. And then Bulgaria because that's where he's from. Sweet. Oh, he's Bulgarian? Yeah, he's a Bulgarian Turk, which is very weird to explain to people because uh, obviously Bulgaria was heavily influenced by the Soviet Union and a lot of Turkish people were not able to go back to Turkey around that time until the Iron Curtain fell. Right. Wow. I had a really good Bulgarian friend uh, (laughs) whenever I lived in Prague and uh, he... He was a super interesting guy, but yeah, he had like these uh, the, these pet rats that got <laughs> that got out. <laughs> he had these two pet rats, and so like in Prague, whenever it's like winter, there's not a lot of tourism. They rent out like uh, hostel beds for like long, ex- you know, extended periods of time. And uh, so he got this hostel bed for three months or whatever, and he had these two pet rats that were in there, and they got out, and they ended up mating and infesting this uh this hostel with all of these rats and they were like super salty about it like they hated him so much but they didn't kick him out i guess because he was paying and like so but we would go over there and like have beers with them and they would just like they would just talk shit the whole time (laughs) and it was like super uncomfortable because we're like should i leave i feel like we shouldn't be here i don't know man like That is so legit. I love it. Yeah. Well, we'll see if I have any strange experiences. God knows, actually, I probably will. I always do have strange experiences when I'm abroad. So we'll we'll see which ones I have this time. That's part of the point, you know? Yeah. Or just about any time I travel. It's always weird. Really? What's the weirdest one? Oh, good God. Um, Well... (laughs) There are aspects of The Only Living Girl in Chicago that are true. Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, some of the road trip shit did actually happen. The book, though, is 
it was originally twice its size. I ended up cutting out a good portion of the road trip aspect. But I'd say the craziest thing that ever happened, and this goes to the hillbilly thing. I apologize to those people who think that that's a prideful thing. I was in Alabama, and I had to stop to go to the bathroom. See, that's why I can't go, like, straight through. You know, you just have to pee more these days. Right, right, right. And we stopped at a McDonald's so I could pee. And I just found a baby in there. A random baby? Yeah, like, just on the changing table. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? And then when I, like, leaned out... And I was just like, hey, there's a baby in here. There is another person, and there's no other way to describe her other than a motherfucking hillbilly holding one baby. And she's like, oh, fuck, I forgot one. (laughs) Well, okay, so you found the owner. Yeah, she's ordering wow. her food, had one baby, and it's like, oh, shit. I one, she said. <laughs> that oh, might be my favorite. that's so funny. That's funny because, you know, I was talking about, you know, Prague earlier, but, like, there was, they have baby boxes there. What the hell is that? It's, it's like, where you can, like, instead of going through, like, the process of, like, adopting out your child... You could just put your baby in a box and, like, close the box, and then, like, a nun comes and picks it up. I mean, I think we have shit like that in America where, like, if you, like, leave your, like, baby outside of a hospital or a fire station, like, no one questions it. But I I like that process a little bit better. Baby box. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always wondered that. I mean, is that true? Like, you can just leave your baby, like, in the... Uh, in the the passenger seat of a fire truck. Now you're just (laughs) making me think of Breaking Bad. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. See, and now this is how I said this is a very silly podcast because we haven't even begun to speak about music. (laughs) That's okay. It's... (laughs) But you know what? I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, it's textual healing, so does it really have to be totally about music? For the most part, we keep it going, but if anyone really gets the pun of what textual healing is, then they can really right. lean in and be like, ah, right. oh, you're supposed to be music heavy. Right, do you, right. Do you get the pun? Yeah, I mean, it's like the, what is it, a Marvin Gaye song, right? Yes, good. Yeah. Good on yeah. you. I'm just going to, like, start rating my guests based off of who actually knows what I'm referencing with this song. (laughs) I feel like it's a pretty, like, it's one of the bigger Marvin Gaye songs, right? You'd think, but, you know, some people are just like, that is a really interesting name. How'd you come up with that? Yeah. And I want to be honest, I really just did a Twitter poll and Claire Hopple came up with it. Uh Uh-huh. That's good, though. It's good to crowdsource every now and then. Oh, I do that all the time. If I'm yeah. out of ideas, I had some weird ones out there. But no, a lot of people, they don't really go deep dive into the oldies. Right. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Until recently with TikTok, that really brought back a lot of the classics. Did it? Do you do TikTok? I like to like browse it. I do not really? do TikTok. I've been asked to do TikTok quite a few times by, I have 11 nieces and nephews. So if I'm ever, like, visiting them, the older ones are like, you want to do a TikTok video with me? And I'm just like, go fuck yourself. Right. (laughs) I I would literally say that, too, because we're all right with that. 
<laughs> That's just how y'all vibe. Oh, I have a very no cussing kind of family. <laughs> you know, in front of my dad, that there's yeah. no cussing, but like literally everyone else is like, "Fuck you." Even my mom, like, she'll give really? me a finger. She, yeah. It's just she's too used to us. Right. Right. I think right. when oh, you're so, five so, kids. Wait. So y'all corrupted her. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Yeah, yeah. As I said, five <laughs> kids and we're assholes. So eventually right. I think she just gave up. Yeah. One has to. So until the red swallows, I love it because it hasn't just been described as a hillbilly Walden lit very much, but also has been described like a John Prine album. Agree yeah. or disagree? Um, I think it goes in and out. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I try to weave humor and politics and personal stories into, uh, you know, into the book in the same way that I think that John Prine does in his songs. But, uh, I also... (laughs) You know, I also feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I hope it's uh, more of the now <laughs> than John Bryan is. Um, but, Definitely. You know. I mean, he died like a couple years ago, I think. Yeah, of COVID. Big bummer. He was like he was like one of the first ones when I was like, oh, shit, this is real. <laughs> oh, damn. They got like a big one fast. Ooh. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. just talking about his size. Right. <laughs> right. But... Should we tell people who John Prine is? Because I don't think a lot of people know. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I always think of, you know, uh, the big John Prine tune is the In Spite of Ourselves, right? Which he did with Cecil B. DeMille. Is that right? I Um, think so. Yeah, but I think that for me, like always my you know, my go-to John Prine track is Paradise, which I, I love. Um, cause it is one of those, it's one of those ones that like, you know, it, it combines place and personal story and sort of like a person versus the sort of company that is trying to alter and control and damage the place. Um, so of course you know it, it, it always appealed to me. But man, that first John Prine album is just a banger. His 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 self titled album, incredible. Like I could listen to it beginning to end over and over again. Now this is a question. Well, it, it'll lead into a question I ask a lot. <laughs> but okay. would you actually say he's more folk or country? Uh, I'd say country. And what, in your opinion, is the difference between folk and country? I mean, I'd say the twang. It's just got that twang to it, and it's uh, it's very much written about the rural experience, whereas I don't think that folk music necessarily focuses on a rural experience, and it just doesn't have the twang to it. That being said, you know, I mean, uh, you know, uh, with, you know, coming from Oklahoma, 
uh, you know, Woody Guthrie, the godfather of folk, is, you know, is it the godfather of folk or father of folk? Who knows? But, Who the fuck knows? Uh, <laughs> I just know that there's a bar called Guthrie's here that I love, so. Oh, in Chicago, there's a Guthrie's? Yeah. Oh, that's really great. Oh, shit. We might have actually lost that to the pandemic. I'll have to check. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yeah, that's a real thing. Like, I don't know, it's one of those things where, like, you hear about some of your favorite celebrities who died, but, yeah, I, I just look at some of my favorite places in the city, and I'm just like, we're not, never going to get that back. Right. Like, there's a taco place. I still can't get over it. Every time I, I mean, pass by, I'm just like, they're fucking tacos. Damn. Is it? Is it like, is it like a quick replacement there? I don't know, because, like, I mean, you know, I've lived in relatively small town since the pandemic started i i was in livingston montana which is a town of five thousand when it first kicked off and then towards you know almost what two years later moved to back to missoula and i feel like things get slowly replaced in chicago it really depends on the neighborhood so guthrie's i'm looking it up I need to see if they returned. They were great. They did almost exclusively, like, folk music. And there are a lot of places in this world called Guthrie's shit. (laughs) I was going to say, though, it is interesting that you described, uh, yes, it's open again. Fuck yay. Oh, so it's not gone. Oh, according to Facebook, it was gone two years ago. Welcome back, Guthrie's. Love it. But no, I thought it was interesting that you said John Prine was country because of the twang and everything in the rural roots, because he was pretty um, big in the Chicago folk scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I found that part interesting. I mean, ha- haven't they called John Prine the the poor man's Bob Dylan? If they have, I love that. <laughs> Yeah. I think I've heard that somewhere before. Maybe I just made it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know Bob Dylan was a fan of his. So. Yeah. How do you feel about Bob Dylan? Oh, I love Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty heavy into folk music, although you would never see that if you looked at, like, my Spotify playlist. I don't know. For some uh-huh. reason, I just keep that onto, like, my records as opposed to, like, streaming. Right. I don't know, I feel like there's more of, like, I don't know, something about the, like, scratching and the bouncing of the old records that I found from dumpsters. Right. Yeah. Well, so what do you think is the difference between country and folk, then? Well, that's the issue. I ask almost everybody who ever brings up folk what the difference is. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think it's uh, what they're singing about. Yeah, I mean, I guess that really is the big, like, if there's almost more of a vibe of authenticity, if it's not just about landscape and everything, if it's more about folklore in a certain way, and Mm -hmm. it feels more earnest, I guess, to me, that means it's more folk. Yeah. But that might be a bias, because I really hate stadium country, so. Yeah, it's really bad. It's an... Honestly, like, I think I grew up sort of opposed to country music just because 
I was in Oklahoma at the time when, like, I mean, obviously, like, there's things that we're, like, proud of that are, like, borderline stadium country, uh, you know, sort of like <laughs> Reba McIntyre, uh, uh, you know, uh, Garth Brooks, those folks. Uh, but then, obviously, that sort of, like, transformed into something else, and then we had, like, Toby Keith, <laughs> which was like you know huge while I whenever I was growing up, and uh, and so obviously I like I was just like oh fuck country I like took a stand against it but you know I feel like there's been this transition uh, over the past five to ten years I don't know uh, where there's been this sort of revitalization of uh, like older country style and old school country roots it's kind of funny the places you see it come from I mean like I feel like there's a lot of like um, like punk and crust artists who came from like that that folk punk scene that are now just doing like full blown like country albums which is pretty sweet Uh, like Nick Shoulders and Sierra Farrell stuff Mm -hmm. like that Oh, I definitely vibe that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you familiar with, like, Frank Turner? Yeah, only a bit. Um, I haven't haven't listened to a lot of it, but... I was going to say, he was pretty heavy in the British punk rock scene. He actually has an alternate band that is just, like, totally punk. But, yeah, he's really still... He's, like, gone back to the folk roots. Yeah. No, I recommend... Yeah, and I think that, that that's pretty cool. And it's always it's 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 funny to me because I wondered like I, I was curious about like what caused that transition. If I wonder, and I was wondering if it was just like the the sort of like punk took on this more like transient kind of thing, you know, with like crust punks and train hopping and stuff like that over the past like twenty years. And so, you know, it's really hard to travel with, like, a punk band, you know. But you can hop a train with a banjo. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious if, like, just sort of a change in, in, in lifestyle led to, like, a sort of change in the style of music that was being played by a lot of, like, the punk scene and stuff like that. That and pure politics and commercialization, I mean, it all plays into it. Right. Yeah. So... For your playlist that you sent me, would you say that that's like representative of the book or the vibe that like you kind of like listen to before writing? What do you think? Oh yeah, I probably yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like for the playlist, it was probably just the kind of things that I listen to on a day to day basis. Um, I dig that, it. Yeah, not so much even focused on writing. Like, it's funny, like, the way I, like, the role that music plays with my writing is sometimes um, I don't listen to music that much when I write. And if I do, it's always, like, piano music, (laughs) like Eric Satie or something like that. Um, or if I'm like really trying to get into it, sometimes I'll like turn on like an Almond Brothers live album where it's almost entirely just them playing music. <laughs> um, 
I'm like giving but, it like a really fuck yes in my head for that. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but outside of that, like, I think that, I mean, I, I like to listen to hip hop a lot just because I like the language. Like, I like, like, the, there's like still like an appreciation for like metaphor and simile in hip hop that like sometimes they're just like drop a simile that just makes me laugh. And uh, I, I feel like there's, you know, sometimes there's contention between like you know the flowery writing and the minimalist writing, and I I appreciate it all. Um, and so like that's why I like to listen to hip hop and listen to the way that like you know there's language and metaphor is used uh, in a lot of those tracks. And then you threw Blind Melon into here, so. Yeah, I, I I heard you once ask somebody what their uh, their captured by Vecna song would be. <laughs> Is that it? it? That one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Change by Blind Melon would would pull me out of it. Oh yep. hell yeah! I, I, I'm raising my Lacroix to you. Actually, it's a bubbly, but I'm raising <laughs> it to you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's so funny how, like, I told you, um, or at least I announced on Twitter that this was a two for podcast day. Uh-huh. And the person earlier, they actually had on their playlist uh, Running Up That Hill, and uh-huh. they haven't seen Stranger Things. Oh, really? They were just liking it just to like it? I know. I was just like, what? I love that. And I was just yeah. like, you are the hipster of the moment. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's so funny. Like, it was, uh, I went to, uh, there was like a rave out in the forest in Lolo, Montana. Oh my God, that's uh, so like dazed and confused. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like a few weeks ago, and uh, we went out there, and every DJ had to include uh, that (laughs) running up the hill in their track. And like, I was kind of just like hyped on it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. I love Stranger Things. (laughs) Like, let's do it. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so it was funny though, and it was it was it was interesting listening to you know the fifteen different ways that they could remix Kate Bush. I mean, so. for Chicago, I went to a lot of carnivals because, as I said, I have a shit ton of nieces and nephews, and I also like a lot of the food there. You know, I I, yeah. I love cotton candy. I'll admit yeah. it. I'm 31. I'll, I I eat that shit. Right. But, yeah, like, you know, they have the, like, cover bands there, and they all had to do Running Up That Hill. Uh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the kind of, like, dad bands, and you're like, wow, yeah. you're trying yeah. so hard. And then Lollapalooza, yeah. it was just, like, every fucking band at Lollapalooza had to do something related to Stranger Things. What is that like for the for Chicago? Like, Lollapalooza just busts out, like, a weekend of the year, and hundreds of thousands of people descend like what is that like honestly we have two very big uh festivals it's Lollapalooza and we have Riot Fest I'm more into Riot Fest because that's Uh what Lollapalooza was like in the 90s yeah it really is almost basically like were you big in the 90s just come on over here guys yeah but Lollapalooza, they prep for a week in advance, and uh, it's in Grant Park, which is one of the biggest parks, obviously, in Chicago. Like, it's huge. And you see them put up, like, the 15-foot fences and everything. Like, you just know what's going to happen. But Mm -hmm. they block off roads, like, the entire loop, basically. 
is just like cordoned off and it's like don't even try and take a train or whatever because you're gonna get like your really drunk people going to and from lala and you actually see like areas like sanctioned off for like the uber and lyft drivers because you know what the fuck we don't use taxis anymore yeah and then I just love just seeing the drunk people wandering the streets who, like, aren't even from here. Because a lot of them are, like, suburbanites. Right, totally. And they're just like, how do I get to the metro? And they don't realize that there are two big train stations. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I feel like most of like, I've been to a few festivals in my life, and I feel like most of them are, like, out in the middle of nowhere. And I couldn't imagine going to, the fe- to a festival in the middle of Chicago. <laughs> like, that seems wild to me. I mean, okay, I, I've i never paid for a ticket for Lollapalooza. Uh-huh. Uh, I went once because uh, a friend was just like, I have an extra ticket. And I was like, all right. Uh-huh. And then another time I I hopped the fence. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that is every single day of the festival. And they keep trying to get the fences higher. But it's like people are going to bum rush the fence. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah, yeah, you're having a uh, festival in the middle of the city, so. And it's like, do you really think with all these, like, crazy people who love parkour are not going to get up that fucking fence? (laughs) Do y'all have a lot of parkour people in Chicago? Oh, my God, yes. It is, like, so weird. (laughs) I've never seen a parkour person in the wild. Oh, wow. You you should come to Chicago. And, like, they're just doing it. Like, I don't know if they're trying to even get from point A to point B or if they're just having a good time. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, they do it in the most random of places, too. That and a lot of people like doing that slack line thing. Yeah, I get that. Like, I kind of get the slack lining thing just because, like, balance is, like, a weird thing. And it's funny that you can, like, practice it, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I get the appeal of that, but... I don't know. One hundred percent get. I guess like the the whole uh, parkour thing. <laughs> we have uh, parkour like uh, courses like uh, uh-huh. in the suburbs that are mainly built just for that. I've been to one of those, and I can tell you, I, I'm just bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't cast me in an action movie. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we we have we actually have like here in Missoula, uh, we have like one really sweet skate park that was built by like I think the the basis of Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. um, and so so that's cool. He like he lives like around here around <coughs> Missoula, and like pays for a bunch of things in Montana like skate parts. I guess he's a skateboarder, and. Uh, so our, we have a really sweet skate park in the middle of town. So I guess that's kind of cool. We have a skate park underneath a highway overpass. Uh-huh. A lot of people seem to dig that one, but no, I don't go near that either. I just have poor balance. Yeah. So don't trust me yeah. to do any of that shit. Uh-huh. But in my head, <laughs> like if I'm ever like jamming to music, like I, I can imagine myself being like, I could totally be that person. Have you have you ever had to do something like deliver drinks or food where it required like some pretty gnarly balance? Uh, you know, I'd have to say the worst I've ever had to do is balance like a, a shit ton of Starbucks. But uh-huh. I've managed, but like uh-huh. I almost always have to do it where like I hold like two of like uh, the carriers on my hand, right. and then like I'm 
doing it with my chin to make sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, I look like the yeah. most awkward person in the world just trying to be like, right, I right. will not spill everyone's $7 drink. Right. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I am uncoordinated. I have dropped quite a few Starbucks in my day. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I try and work on my balance just because it's something, I guess, that you can work on, but uh, I'm still not very coordinated. So I have attempted to work on it. I, I definitely am more balanced these days because, you know, I do more yoga and stuff. I guess you just do that as you age. Who knows? How regularly do you do yoga? I would say I do it, like, twice a week. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm not the best. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not the worst either, I'd like to point out. <laughs> I mean, some of the things that, like, the yoga instructors do, I'm like, that. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. Like, I don't know, like, I don't care if I do yoga five days a week. (laughs) Like, there's some things where they're just, like, they're just, like, touching their chin to the ground. And I'm just like, I just don't think I, I don't think I'm built for that. (laughs) Not all of us are. I mean, I'm a short person, so I can't do a lot of the poses. Because I think really a lot of them, they're heightest and, like, they're just made for, like, a certain size person. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. In my opinion, that that's what I'd like to blame it on. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I can't do something, I have to come up with an excuse as to why it wasn't me. It, it was them. <laughs> that's fair, though. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's a good way to, you know, just like coast. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The height thing is a bitch, though. Like if I go to a concert or something like. Being five feet tall, not ideal. I mean, were you ever the person who's like up on somebody's shoulders? Um, no, because my boyfriend is very self conscious about his height and he won't let me up on his shoulders. Yeah. Yeah, he's six foot two and he feels bad about being in front of other people, which I could oh, say. It's not yeah. even too bad. I mean, that's kind of reasonable, I feel like. But that's why he won't let me on his shoulders. <laughs> right. Because he's just like, I feel rude. This isn't cool. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what to say. If you want to stand by me in the concert, like, <laughs> you're going to have to go further ahead. Yeah. Well, was, was, was there a show where you felt like you missed out on something because you were, like, in the audience and you felt like your, your view was blocked? Blink-182. Yeah. I was, like, in the back. Like, I could not see shit. All yeah. I could hear was just the people around me saying, like, all the small things and shit. <laughs> right. Really, the yeah, concert w- was just the crowd. I didn't even fucking hear the band. Yeah. Have you seen Blink a few times, or was that, like... That was the one time. And really? um, it's because they were supposed to be at that festival the year before, and people got free tickets to go the year after because they pulled out last minute. Really? Okay. Yeah, they were replaced by uh, Weezer, which I was able uh-huh. to get close to. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw Blink. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm aging myself, but uh, on their "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket" tour, and uh, God, I must have been in—I think I was in seventh or eighth grade—and uh, <laughs> we went with my friend's dad, who was like supposed to be our chaperone, and. Uh, for whatever 
I mean, this was a fucking awful decision by whoever organized the show, but they put like seats down in front of the stage and like we're expecting people to, I guess, sit instead of just be in the pit. And then, of course, like people just tore up the seats and were throwing them all over the place. And my friend's dad just literally, I mean, at that point, you know, I'm, I don't know, 12 years old. And my friend's dad just started getting into literal fistfights with people in the mosh pit. And I was like, I feel like this is not what's supposed to be happening right now. But I don't know because this is literally my first concert. <laughs> I mean, that might be the best thing that ever happens to a concert. I mean, come on. That's great. I mean, I, I can't say that I haven't had similar experiences. So, Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Um, okay. This is going to really age me. Uh-huh. I was at an NSYNC concert uh-huh. <laughs> with my older sister. Very similar scenario. I thought, like, she was going to kill another woman there for a bit. For what? Um, she was really in our way, and then, like, she knocked my sister's beer out of her hand, and, like, you know, that just causes party foul right there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and that was it. She was like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. My sister's a lawyer, so she's aggressive already. <laughs> right on. So that just, you know, that was the nail in the coffin you think, for her. Wait, so you think that you think that lawyers are naturally aggressive? You know, well, maybe maybe her more so <laughs> than others. Okay. I would say, like, she's an attack dog kind of lawyer. Yeah. Right, right. But, yeah. No, they tend to be pretty aggressive, I'd say, from the lawyers Yeah, I think met. you're probably right. Yeah. Because my parents really wanted me to be a lawyer. And yeah. I, I always said, like, I can argue like crazy, but I, I'm not confrontational. I don't like that. How close did they get you to being a lawyer? <laughs> I think we made it all the way to, like, junior year of high school. And I was just like... Okay. That's very cute of you to think that I'm. Oh, so you do kind that. of nipped it at the bud. You didn't start like pre-law or anything like that. Oh God, no. Although, like, it gave them hope that I got a degree in history because, ironically, that's what all my siblings got. Right. And then they went on to law school. So yeah, I come from a family of lawyers, so you could understand why that was expected of me. Yeah, my dad was a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, for a while, and then he was like, uh, he kind of backed out, and he's doing construction now, so good for him. I think Uh, they might actually make more money. Yeah, I know. I think that was kind of his thing. (laughs) He was like, this is way too much work for, yeah, so. I think a lot of, like, I think majority of law, it can be outsourced these days by the internet, and I'm going to get weirdly political, so let's step right out of that. Wait, what do you mean? Like, I could get really into politics and, like, the way that things are outsourcing. And uh-huh. I already got political in the last podcast. We don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've read the book. It's a bit political. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I'm saying. Like, your book really is, like, where we meet. We we align well. Yeah. Yeah. As to the yeah. other person. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's funny because my mom keeps telling me, uh, oh, (laughs) Scott Pruitt's going to hate your fucking book. And I'm like, (laughs) good. I hope he does. (laughs) And it was, it's funny because she was like a, she was, 
his daughter's cheer coach. <laughs> I mean, so. that, that, that might be actually something you should put as a blurb. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's somewhere. I thought about tagging him on Twitter and <laughs> be like, yo, I'm coming after you, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's but. a badge of honor. You should, you should be right. proud of that. <laughs> now, yeah. with my book, it was one of those things where, for some reason, all of my nieces and nephews found out about it, and they ordered it. And, yeah, it's a rated R book, I would say. <laughs> yeah, ditto. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I was, yeah, I was literally like horrified sending it around to like some of my family. Um, but I guess they ended up okay with it. I don't know. (laughs) Or they just don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Like a lot of my family, like, I don't know if they even read it. They're just like, that's a good book. And I seem like, wow, I kind of took shots at you in this book. All right. You didn't read it. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. Or I, I know one person, my father read it, and he totally was like, this is an amazing novel, I really love it. And I was just like, he is the most oblivious person ever, because yeah. I, I took hard shots at people like him, so right, missed it yeah. entirely. I always wonder about that. Like, it seems like it's really funny, like, people will, well, I guess there's, like, two crowds. There's, like, people who will view art as if it has no connection to reality whatsoever and then and then people who will read art and be like is this you is this you this is definitely you right this is your opinion (laughs) it's like i don't know does it have to be one or the other (laughs) you know it is one of those things where like people it's like they can't imagine that you have an imagination and you can construct a story out of nowhere. So I would right. say majority of my book is fiction, but you know, I mean, you use what you know at times. Yeah. And I'm kind of in the same boat. Like there's a, I mean, it's, it's like until the red solid is the doll, it's like most of it is fictionalized for sure. I would um, say you would live one hell of a wildlife that all happened to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there, there's a portion of it that's fictionalized. It's, you know, it's, you know, I don't know. I guess there's no reason in explaining it because it's, you know, I like to blur those lines. I guess that's kind of the point. <laughs> I mean, same here. But like, do you yeah. ever have it where like you have the annoying people who are like, which character am I? Yeah, well, with, with well, with my close friends, I'll be like, "This is you. You know, it's fucking you." <laughs> so let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> like, and then with other people, I'll be like, "Oh, it's kind of an amalgamation. It's a little bit of you. It's a little bit of this person. <laughs> like, no worries." <laughs> yeah, I have one friend where I was just like, you know what? Like, they weren't even used at all. So I just had to lie, and I was just like, "Oh, they got you. their fill inserted." <laughs> I was like, there you go. Where am I? (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I did not leave you out. I'm so sorry. Right, right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I wonder if... I'm I'm certain somebody's going to be like, wait, where was I? (laughs) (laughs) I think those are my favorite people of all. Like, because they're like, am I in your book? Did you not love me enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you dump all of my bullshit out for everyone to see? I want that. 
they all say they don't want it, but they all kind of want it, in my opinion. Yeah, right, right, right. It's The grass is always greener, I guess. <laughs> it's like, I don't want anyone to know this about me, but if it's a thinly veiled version of me, go for right, it. Right, exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, you don't feel compelled to talk about me? Yeah, yeah. I was talking to my friend, I was like, so you're going to be at this reading, some of your friends are going to be at this reading, this section may or may not be you. How do you feel about that? And she's like, fucking bring it on. <laughs> I'm like, I love that. Let's that do it. That might be like the best friend ever. Oh, my God. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So do you want to read any of yeah. the book? Yeah, I'll do a... Let's see. I can do a short, short reading here. Mm-hmm. Um... Alright, here we go. Ambient neon pressed into the stench of cheap beer and American spirits. An aura, time-bending and vaporous red, emanated from the building where the door was propped open and the crowds gathered along the sidewalk, overflowing into the street, almost magical. The deli is the pulse of Norman, the hub of its various subcultures. The town would, loot ha- would lose half its character if it ever closed, sh- closed up. It's a gathering place for the artists and eccentrics, the people who make Norman a haven of creativity among the sweep of capitalist decadence. Rowdy music was cutting and spinning just above the drunken chatter. Everyone was zoned in, sorting out who they were going home with for the night. A little empty lust just to kidnap time. Everything was caught in that tangled web of flirtation. I was on my fifth beer. It was all I could do. Doka Dog stood, out, stood outside, taking short, hasty drags from his cigarette. You could call Doka Dog a hippie hustler. He's an Osage with a slick black ponytail running along the ridge of his spine like a stallion. He stood outside the deli with one hand in the pocket of his jean shorts, nodding his head and sniffing occasionally. Doka is a lot of man. He takes up some space. He ordered lotion in bulk from China and rebottled it in little containers that said things like spirit of the wolf and native knowledge, then resold them for $15 a pop to white kids and drug rugs. Standing beside Doka Dog, there was an older man in a Grateful Dead tie-dye with a head full of thinning dreads who everyone knew as Star Dog. Stardog curates Norman's music scene. He hosts big parties on a plot of land at the edge of town. If you're invited to play one of those gigs, you've touched the echelon of local stardom. He plays lyrically pornographic folk music that brings to mind old wavy gravy songs, and he shared a stage with Dave and Alec Coe and the Flying Burrito Brothers. The music poured into the streets from the inside, nimble and inspired that night. I saw Margot. I was swaying a bit. Margot lost her two front teeth in a bicycle accident that happened years ago. Five dots are tattooed under each of her eyes, and the phases of the moon are spread across her chest. Hey, Margot, how's it going? Doorman won't let me in. Why not? Because he's an asshole. She looked over her shoulder at the doorman and raised her voice. Yeah, I'm talking about you, asshole. Really, Margo? I'm the asshole? You took the tip jar and face planted before you made it out the door. Shit, you can't come back for at least a month. 
Why don't you take this time and dry out a little bit, huh? Prick, Margot muttered under her breath. I left the deli and walked through the streets along the bricked alleys marked with the graffiti filling the dull throb of music from clubs and cars. The street lights cast a milky orange haze across the cracked concrete and crumbled red brick climbing to the rooftops and electric poles. There was a bicycle tied to a lamppost and behind it two people embraced kissing deeply against the wall half hidden in the shadows. The old local businesses were being run out one by one. I looked at the for rent sign that used to be a head shop that was raided by Norman PD. The cops were coming increasingly militarized. I witnessed the beginning of it during my years in town, more body armor and a growing number of assault rifles. The cops suggested a quarter million dollar of taxpayer money be spent on the acquisition of a Bearcat, a tank equipped with gun ports, battering rams, and methods for delivering tear gas. It's the same all across America. The Bruce are unrepentant. Some might call it bloodthirst of a toxic culture, but I consider it a dark, psychic network of minds untethered to souls looking up I saw the stars only as specks faded through the cover of the town's light approaching Lions Park a troop of fire dancers were spinning flames that melted into a single sensuous pattern morphing from circles to X's to pulsing fluid signs of infinity the dancers were in a deep focus a a state a flow state Wu Wei, as the Taoists call it, no mind, a meditative primal connection to the element of fire radiated from their movements, exhibiting its beauty and its reverence for the destructive capacity as they weaved and contorted their bodies to avoid coming in contact with it. The flames were captured in countless reflections and the sweat beating on their skin. I sat and watched for half an hour before I walked home. I fell into my bed, feeling blissful and satisfied. Then the morning came, and I woke up. My head felt too swollen for my skull, and I only thought of greasy food. The window unit couldn't keep up with the heat. I was sweating into my jersey sheets, jammed up in a web of grim mindfulness. I couldn't handle the planes anymore. It was a good idea to move. I was sure of it. The sticky sweat... The sticky heat swept across the mid-American stretch and picked up everything, so that hole revealed itself inside of me. I'd come of age on the buckle of America's deteriorating Bible belt, cinched tightly around the necks of pregnant cheerleaders and emaciated opioid addicts. Over this flat place, we are suspended in disbelief, undulating above the pools of oil, swimming with the piranhas of the plain. I often felt like shit. When I did, I stared at faraway things, cypresses and stars, reveling in the splendor of knowing that those distant objects were part of my perception, and I felt better, as if the world was at all times sending itself to dance with my senses. But those meditations were becoming less reliable. That desolation, the big empty hole that Isaac was talking about, I held it too. I hopped in and out of that void, hoping to find something to cushion my fall. Instead, I continued to mine myself for scarce resources, looking for a quick fix to a problem that could mar my life if I, if I didn't figure out why it was so keen on haunting me. I like it. 
It was really cool. good. Yeah, I always oh, pause you. just a little bit after someone reads because I'm just like, I made a mistake like once where I was just like, that's awesome. And the person was like, it was just a pause in the chapter. <laughs> Yeah, totally. No, and there's yeah, no was evidence it. of this ever because I just edited it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's the good thing, I guess, about podcasting. You can just edit this and that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like people will hear me be a dumbass at times, but other times it's just like, no, nah, this is too stupid. Can't can't bear <laughs> this shame. Uh, you, you've cut out something you said. We're like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna own up to that one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And I've also had, you know, you're free to do this yourself. Like I've had like guests be like, you know what? Um, can you take that part out? I regret saying it. <laughs> oh no, really? Yeah. Uh, she's. I don't know if I've said anything <laughs> so well, far that I regret. So. Just reflect on this tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, well, I've got two readings coming up. Uh, well, first, buy the book. Comes out tomorrow until the Red Swallows at all from Trident Press. Uh, I've got two readings coming up uh, in Oklahoma. If you're in Tulsa or Oklahoma City, you should come to see me. Uh, look it up. And uh, I will also be reading with uh, Nate from Trident. We'll be doing a big thing here in Missoula coming up uh, mid-September, the 17th, for Montana Book Festival. Um, so we're doing all that. But the big thing is, yeah, check out the book. Uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. This has been really fun. Yeah, I've had a good time. Thanks, Mallory. Mason Parker. Definitely hit him up on Twitter at lowkey underscore oaky or his website masonparker.net. The spelling for both will be in the show notes. As always, if you want to get to know us more, find Textual Healing on Twitter at podhealing and take a look at our website textualpodcast.com. If you would like to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review check out past episodes and keep a lookout for the new ones to come every other saturday this is mailer smart thanks for listening to the show